Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. Before we get started, I want to make sure I invite you to join the OmarProject.com. That's spelled O-M-A-R, because you can get a lot of great insight on project management, the skills you need to up your game, and also learn from the best project managers in the world on the most complex projects. In this episode, we're going to talk about what happens when your contractors aren't meeting your expectations. And... What happens when you bid on something and you know you just can't handle it by yourself? Let's get started with our first question from Chris from Pennsylvania, which is a a great state. I used to live there. I am working with a set of contractors and the quality of the team is not up to my expectations. My company has already signed a contract with them. It's long term. I provided direct feedback, but I'm still not seeing changes. What can I do to improve their performance? Oh, contractor management. This is one of the bread and butters of project management and setting yourself up for success. Now, this just is as important as the soft skills, as leadership skills, as the budgeting, all these other skills you have to learn. This one is one where you really want to do this right because the minute you sign that dotted line, you kind of put yourself in a corner if it's not signed correctly. Now, what he's saying here, Chris, is saying that he has a contract that he's kind of come into this position. They've already signed a long-term contract with some firm. And these guys, the contracting team that he has is just not pulling its weight. He feels like they're not performing. And at the end of the day, at the project manager, he's responsible. So he will be impacted by their, not, their lack of performance because ultimately they're, they're reporting to him as a client. What do you do in these situations? Now, the the tricky part here is that they have a long-term contract. So it's not like you can give them feedback, which is what he's doing, but what is the incentive for them to change behavior if they have the long-term contract in place? Because they know they're going to be on the job until it finishes. Number one is you could say it's reputation, right? If they're a good company and they want to continue to do business, then not having a, a good reputation on this one job could hurt them. The issue I've seen here is that sometimes you have these major engineering firms that I will not mention names of, but they have multiple groups in different states and different countries. And it's a known thing that there's some teams that are really good, some teams that aren't. And it's difficult to say we're not going to do work with them again, because very likely their, their expertise in the field is there in the company. You just might have a kind of a one-off experience. So if this is the case, this is challenging because your company is not going to not do business with them again because they're probably doing it in hundreds of other places around the world. So then it still leads us to the question, what can we do to improve the performance? And this is where uh, stake, your management on your contract becomes key. Now, on your as a project manager, hopefully you have somebody that can help you with these contracts if you're not doing them yourself. The feedback directly sometimes doesn't work because it doesn't have the impact that it needs to have. And you may have to elevate the the level of feedback you're giving. What I say by that is you have to make it very clear that this contractor's performance is a risk to your project and that the risk to your project could mean that you don't actually meet your objectives and the project fails because that's what this will, that's what will happen. That's one thing. So that's something you do internally. You add it to your risk register. You fly this up the chain on your end internally within your project. 
externally dealing with the contractor in general is a little bit more challenging. You now have to start understanding that they are a risk to your project and you have to become, if you're not already a contract expert. So if you've inherited this project or you've come on this project and you've inherited the contracts, you have to go through those contracts with a fine tooth comb and find out what agreements did they sign that they were going to provide. Does that mean that do you have performance agreements in place? Do you have milestones in place? Are there certain requirements on meetings? These types of details are usually involved in the contract when they're signed off with the engineering firm or the contract, the construction firm. And they're, they're typically in there. So that's the first thing I would do is look, find that contract, get that thing out, spend a, a couple of days reading through it, highlighting it, use your pen and paper, just redline it, mark it up. You're going to have a lot of questions after you come out with that. If you come out with that, I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to start seeing, hey, man, these guys aren't living up to their expectation. They said they're supposed to do this. They're supposed to do that. But this is not happening. That gives you a very strong leg to stand on if, if that's the case. If the, there is one possibility here that's not the one you probably want to hear. But if the contract was st structured in a way where it wasn't that good, where you have a lot of ambiguity, where they're, they're not performance metrics, then you're in a position where you have to take a look back at your contract and potentially talk about how you can provide feedback to this firm and how you can make that feedback uh, visible enough within their organization that they would want to do something about it to improve because it would make you not want to do business with them again and you'd make sure your department never does business with them again. That is a more difficult conversation, but it's doable. That takes a little bit more time. And that may mean trying to restructure this contract because you may want to start putting this into these contracts. Now, typically long-term contract, what could that mean? It could mean a multi-year contract, probably does. Um, but there are sometimes ways to try and restructure it. Now, that restructuring, if you really are in a bind on the contract, may involve more incentives, which means you may have to spend money to actually have some of this stuff happen because they may have not priced some of that stuff into their contract. But the reality is you're going to be paying for the unperformance anyway. If the, the productivity is low, if they're not doing a great job, if you're not feeling like you're getting the A team, you're getting CD team, then you're paying for that anyway in your reputation. You're paying for it in delays. You're paying it for in quality mistakes. You will see the impacts of this. So it's much better to actually take the incentives and put it on the front end because it's going to save you on the back end as long as they meet and they hold up to that. So that's that's the recommendation, Chris. I would I would say it's kind of a long-winded one, but this is one that I'm very passionate about because I have seen how impactful these contracts can be. Hope that helped. Next question is from David from California. I've got a project where my firm has the lead contract. The project we bid and won is the largest project we've won to date. I know I'll need to partner with other firms to complete the job. What's the best way to structure the partnership? You've won this job, let's call it this major contract, Likely, um, so this happens sometimes with firms, especially uh, all different types of firms do this, where they, they bid on a job and they may be the experts in one particular type of field, but they don't have the electrical, they don't have the instrumentation, they don't have processing, whatever it is, they don't have it. And they will need to sub that out. 
Now it's it's common term subbing out work is very common. You're asking you're asking this from a from the contractor perspective of what's the best way to sub out the job, and I don't know very many subcontractors or contractors or general contractors that don't like subbing not on lump sum terms. If you've won the contract and you have enough detail in it, that's honestly I don't see why you wouldn't do it lump sum contract. The uh, you're eventually you, I mean as a gen, let's just call you the general contractor and you have all these subs, you're you will be responsible for the quality. You'll be responsible for the schedule. You're you'll be responsible for everything that has to do with the job. Everyone will come to you. You're the point person on the job. So it's very important that your subs are somebody that you trust and that you know they're going to do the job well because if if they don't, you're going to be the one solving all their problems and ultimately you're the one that's going to have to respond to it because you'll be accountable. And this to me is really knowing your industry, knowing who's good at what they do and being willing to pay a premium on the activities that you feel are high risk that you really should be paying a premium on. And then having the trust and the relationships in place where you can count on them to deliver on the times you need and how you structure that, you know, lump sum makes sense to me. If you can do that where you have enough scope to find, and that would give you a little bit more security on, on your end, on your, on your contract, probably. There's also another way you could do this, where you could kind of do something where you structure it in a way where you have them have a stake in the operation of it. So um, I've seen contracts where you can sub it to where, okay, you're going to perform at, at lump sum for the construction and execution of it. But I also want you to stay on two months later to help with the operation and commissioning. And if we find problems on that, then you can structure it where there's milestones attached or incentives to not have problems on that side. That Now that could help with quality. So instead of them just doing the job and leaving, and then you're kind of the one dealing with all the quality issues that might come up. You could actually have them do the job, complete it, and then have a, a time frame period for them to be able to monitor what quality issues are coming up and pay them a premium if they avoid quality issues. Now, if you have a big job like this, it's good because it means you probably got a lot of money around to spend. So you can, you can do these types of incentives. Incentives can work the only caution I would say is be careful what type of incentives you're putting out because incentives is like, it's like putting out pieces of candy or something that everybody wants to get. But oftentimes everyone's going for that. They may be forgetting about something else. So just be, be real sure about how that incentive is going to drive the behavior that you want and what are the downsides of that. All right, David, thank you for that question. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. As always, submit your questions to me at The Omar Project. That is podcast at theomarproject.com. I am excited to get all your questions, answer them on the show, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. One question I will leave you with this week is, what can you do to increase the morale on your team this week?